0: The Reds did not fail at the trade deadline, regardless of how they've played since. We'll explain why on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: You are Locked on Reds. Thanks for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked on Podcast Network, and we're free and available on all podcasting platforms. I'm Stephen Offenbaker, and he is Jeff Carr, and we are diehard baseball fans. We have a passion for baseball. We have turned that passion, our love of the game into information for you. We've been doing this for a long time. This is Jeff's fifth year here on Locked on Reds. This is my fifth year podcasting about the Reds, and my second one here at Locked on Reds, and we love talking baseball with you. If you're an everydayer, get into the comment sections. Let us know that you're here. Let us know what you think about this Reds team right now because we want to talk baseball with you. On today's podcast, we are going to recap last night's action out in San Francisco. Spoiler alert. Spencer Steer broke up a no-no with two outs in the ninth inning. So, yeah, you're pretty much all caught up. Jeff and I are also going to revisit the trade deadline and ponder the question, should it have been handled differently? The Los Angeles Angels are making noise and giving away a lot of guys for free. They have placed several talented players on waivers and we're going to take a look at who, if anyone, the Reds should be trying to claim. And then finally, we're going to wrap things up today uh, with what is probably going to be a bit of an uncomfortable conversation and ask, is something wrong with Hunter Green? And should we or should we not be worried about him? But I think a good place to start is let's just talk about that debacle last night for just a minute, Jeff. Just one minute. Good on Spencer Steer busting up that no-no with two outs in the bottom of the, or then top of the ninth. That was good on him.
0: Spencer Steer got a hit. Reds got a run. Yeah, that's bad. And Francisco. Uh, didn't hit a no no. <laughs> Alex Cobb pitched a gym. It's the second day in a row that a Giants starting pitcher pitched a gym, shut down the Reds lineup. The Reds had no answer there. And, and I know in both games, there have been plenty of calls by the umpire that looked questionable. That's not what defined both those games. Both those games were the Reds hitting approach really just dooming them to very tough outings. Um, it just it, it just seems like they're overly patient. We went into that in great detail on yesterday's episode. Don't want to rehash the same conversation here today. Suffice it to say... The Reds lost that series. The Reds officially lose the season series to the Giants. So if the Reds and Giants are tied for a playoff spot at the end of the year, the Giants get it on the tiebreaker. The Reds own the tiebreaker with the Diamondbacks. They don't own the tiebreaker with the Giants. Uh, So this series coming up with the Cubs at home is going to be super pivotal in those four games to help them earn a tiebreaker with the Cubs. Just overall, though, two really bad days for this lineup.
1: And can I just say, I know that this is locked on Reds and not locked on Giants, but I want to talk for just a hot second about the catch that Austin Slater made in center field to preserve the no-hitter in the eighth inning. Phenomenal. It was the catch of his life. It was just that kind of night for the Giants and that kind of (laughs) night for the Reds. But, I mean, as a baseball fan, you know, you and I talk about this all the time, you know, not just being a Red fan, but being a fan of baseball, the sport. That was a great moment. I, I mean, that yeah. kind of that, that made you take a deep breath and, and a second look. And wow, you know, there was some magic happening there. But at the end of the day, I'm glad Spencer Steer broke it up. And that's enough of all of that. Jeff, let's talk about the trade deadline because there is a lot of venom. Venom, I say, flying around on venom. social media, flying around the comment sections about what the reds did or didn't do at the trade deadline and whether or not it means that they were trying or that they were not and that it's the front office's fault that this collapse is happening uh let's dig through this a little bit because i think there's a lot of this you and i agree on we may have a little bit of different perspective along the way on it but uh do you think you know knowing what you know now Should the Reds have traded away prospect capital and bolstered this lineup and bolstered this roster at the trade deadline?
0: No. And I think the reason for that is the exact reason why the Angels are doing what they're doing right now. Now, we're going to get into the details of it all. What the Angels did makes no sense whatsoever. I get it. There's a business aspect to it, competitive balance, and blah, 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 blah. The angels went out at the trade deadline and acquired multiple players because they thought they could make a run. When we were at the trade deadline, we looked at the reds and said, they need relief pitching help. They need maybe another starting pitcher. That's really about it. What has happened since then has been a systemic, everybody hitting the wall. And I think whether or not you like this explanation, they saw this coming. I think the front office knew that there was coming a day coming a not necessarily expiration date, but a day when they were going to find out what they've got in a super young team. One of the biggest storylines with the Reds all year long is that, man, how is this young team doing so good? This young team is looking like a playoff team. You don't see this every day where a team full of rookies that is coming off a 100 loss season is just a bona fide playoff team. You don't see it for a reason these guys are not used to this and we've said fatigue multiple times and I know that there are people that are tired of uh, hearing us say that but that is what is happening that is what the front office saw and they knew that if you go trade for two pitchers it's not going to stop it from happening I'm so
1: glad you went there
0: because the comment
1: section yesterday had me fired up look People saying tired in baseball. What are you talking about? Look, number one, the position players are mentally tired, having to keep up and learn pitchers at a rate they've never had to learn before, combined with what I said yesterday, which is the league has made adjustments. B, the pitchers are fatigued. It's a thing. The minor league system is so stressed about protecting these young arms, about not doing anything to Derail development or cause injury that they no yeah. longer force pitchers in the minor league to pitch through adversity, to stretch out their arms, to put 130, 140 innings on their arms. They don't do that in the minor leagues anymore. That's what they're doing at the major league level now in their first two years. Well, for Hunter Green and Nick Lodolo, they haven't been able to make it through a year healthy to get that kind of action on their arm. For Andrew Abbott, we've pushed him there. We've pushed him there in a hurry. He hasn't missed a start, and clearly he's got what they called in the old days dead arm. He's tired. It's a real thing. And if you're in the comment sections yelling at me about it not being a real thing, I encourage you to look back at all of baseball history and get caught up a little bit because this is a
0: real thing. <laughs> yes, it's, it's 100% a real thing. And, and I even saw somebody was comparing, they're like, well, why aren't the Cubs and the Brewers tired? Because the Cubs and the Brewers are not full of rookies. They, they have plenty of veterans throughout their rotation They have plenty of veterans throughout their roster. We said before the season started, the Brewers and the Cubs are going for this division. The Reds aren't. The Reds just happened to get here very quickly. And as exciting as it has been, the front office was not about to mortgage the future of this team. And, and I know lots of people love to jump all over that, but they were not about to trade top prospects for rental pitchers. They weren't going for rentals. They were going for extra years of control. And when you go for extra years of control, you add to the cost of it a, a price that Nick Crawl was not going to pay. And I told Steve this, and so he's probably, you're probably going to smile at me when I say this, but I told you this off air. And I told you this when we prepped, I got a premonition about this. Because coming up next year, we're going to be in the same spot where we are actually in a playoff spot. We're going to be in this spot here at the end of August where the Reds might actually be in first place in the division. And we're going to look back on this year and all the consternation and all the boohooing and all of the wondering about, uh, oh, woe is us that we aren't going to make the playoffs this year. And we're going to laugh. Because this team is set up for the long run, and Nick crawl wasn't going to jeopardize that for Lance Lynn or for Lucas Giolito, which, by the way, he might have a chance to get on Thursday, or for somebody else that's a rental simply to appease those of us that think you have to go all in at a trade deadline to make the playoffs. Yeah, there's a couple things going on here. First off, you're
1: absolutely right. They should not have traded away the prospect capital. And if you want to know what that looks like, look at the Angels right now. Because would they have been able to bring in enough people to actually stem off this collapse? I don't know. But it would have looked a whole lot like what the Angels look like right now if they had traded away the prospect capital and done this thing. Uh, The Angels decimated their minor league system, brought in guys that didn't work out, and they're blowing it up now. Uh, I, I commend Nick Craw for not, bowing to the pressure and deviating the plan too much. Uh, we looked around. We saw what the market was. Jeff, you saw what the market was. I saw what it was. The people that listened to this show, we told them about the price of the trade market at, as the deadline approached. The price was too high. Things cost too much. Yeah. The trades were for too much. Uh, you, you made a great point when the Reds were playing the Angels and everybody was gathered around Shohei Otani and basically like that would have been the trade. That's what it would have took, plus probably a couple more. So, no, I'm not upset that they didn't make a move. Now, there are some opportunities coming up that we're going to talk about in the next segment that could really begin to right the ship a little bit because I still believe this could be a playoff team. Now, look, they're not winning the division. I said it yesterday. I'll double down on it today. They're not catching the Brewers. From this point forward, I am rooting for the Brewers to win their games. And it all helps the Reds move up in the wild card standings. We're not going to catch them. Uh, We can catch the Cubs. We can pass the Cubs. That needs to happen. That can be a focus. That can be something to cheer for here now that we're entering September. A month to go, and it can take just one series to put this team back in a wild card spot. I'm still all in on that. But I'm okay with how the trade deadline played out. I'm okay with the non-moves. I'm okay with Nick Craw's plan. I still trust Nick Craw. Uh, He's done nothing in the last two years to make me question what he's trying to do. He's trying to win, but he's doing it within the confines of his marching orders, and he's not deviating from that, And and I'm okay with that. It's just a new way for us to be fans of this team. I also understand fans' consternation, Jeff. It's been a long time since we've had meaningful baseball in August. I know it's upsetting to people that it seems to be slipping away just a little bit, but it's a little bit more pain for what I'm telling you. I am. I. If I if, listen, if FanDuel had odds on this, I would put down a bunch of money on it. This team is going to be in playoff contention for the next six years.
0: Yeah. It's going to be okay.
1: We're going to be Easily. all right.
0: Easily. And you know what? Even if you're not okay with this, even if you think that the Reds totally botched the trade deadline, the Reds still have a chance to get better tomorrow. We'll explain why coming up next. Before we tell you about that, I want to tell you about today's sponsor. And that is LinkedIn. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold calling clients waste time, both for the buyer and the seller, especially when sellers are using outdated information. Your organization can overcome these challenges with technology that takes your customers data and turns it into comprehensive high quality buyer data with real-time insights into the needs of your customers. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to become top performers, which leads to better outcomes like more pipelines, higher win rates and larger deals. This is called deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform, the LinkedIn sales navigator. Check it out today. Right now you can try the LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60 day free trial at linkedin.com slash locked on. That is linkedin.com slash locked on for a 60 day free trial trial. Start adding to your pipeline. Start getting more sales wins and let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash locked on and get started. Remember, if you can't be down at the ballpark, you can catch every pitch of the Reds hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search the word Reds. And thanks, as always, for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every day. Every day is coming up tomorrow on the next Lockdown Reds. We're going to look back, see what the Reds did in the series finale. Can they get out of the West with a win? They've limped to the end of this long, the the final long road trip of the season. And and, and that's another, th- another takeaway with this road trip is, it, yes, it really feels like these last couple of games have been just the doldrums, feeling like, are the Reds slipping away a little bit. Ten games on the West, including one day where you sat on a plane for eight hours on the tarmac. Like, these guys got to be thinking, just, 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 just get me home where I can have a nice hot Coney and get into my bed and, and feel good about myself again. So we'll see how the Reds in this road trip. And remember, if they win tomorrow, this is a five and five road trip. They have 500 Which doesn't happen. Road trip. It doesn't 500- happen. 500 West coast road trips feel like just, you know, the elixir of the gods when it comes to the reds. I mean, the big red machine had trouble going 500 on West coast road trips. It's just a thing. It's a historical thing for this team. We'll see how they can finish it tomorrow with Hunter green on the mound. We'll talk about hunter green here in just a moment though. Um, what, what happened though, yesterday, the huge news that's sweeping the baseball world and very, very surprising news. The Angels waved, and, and they waved a couple of other different guys that aren't as consequential as these. But listen to these names because you're going to remember these names from trade deadline episodes that we did. The Angels waved starter Lucas Giolito. They waived relief pitchers Reynaldo Lopez and Dominic Leone, two guys they acquired in the trade deadline, and they waived outfielder Randall Gritchick. All of these guys they got at the trade deadline, they also waived left-hander relief pitcher Matt Moore and outfielder Hunter Renfro, former Brewer. Oh, my gosh, Steve. Like, this is like the, the dude... The, the, the toxic fantasy football baseball owner who didn't make the playoffs and just decided to cut his whole team and say, whatever those in the playoffs have at it
1: this is going to be fun. Listen, there's not very often that there's a waiver situation like this that could cause a little bit of chaos and it gets everybody paying attention. This yeah. one is going to have all eyes on it because the 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 waiver rules are very interesting. It's reverse order uh, from performance and then if you get a guy, if it, a per, if one of these players falls to you and you get your guy, you drop to the end of the line and somebody else can grab the next one. So it's going to be really interesting to see how this plays out. Just a quick look at this list, there's two or three guys on this list that I want Thursday. I want all of them. And I don't know that that's as likely to happen, but let's let's get into a few of these guys because you and I both spent a lot of time talking about Lucas Giolito. And I yes, know sir. that him going out to Los Angeles from the White Sox, it, it didn't work out for him. And is why he's on, it's a big part of why he's on waivers. Uh, he has not performed well since the trade. Uh, that doesn't mean that I'm not willing to take a flyer on him for September if the Reds yeah. can get him. So if you look at the order, the Reds are immediately behind the Marlins, who I think is probably their real, only real competition For Giolito, if you look at everybody else above the list, I don't see what the benefit of them picking up Giolito. They can't trade him. They can't flip him. So it doesn't really make any sense for those clubs to want to spend the money to bring him
0: over when they're already out of it. There's just no real rhyme or reason to it. I mean, we could make the case for the Cubs, but the Reds are ahead of the Cubs in the waiver order. Like This is a situation where Lucas Giolito makes so much sense for the Reds here is the problem. You are hearing it here. Steve and Jeff are telling you, do not expect the Reds to get Lucas Giolito. They're like, I'm giving it, and maybe I'm being a little bit pessimistic on this, but I'm giving a 1% chance that the Marlins don't claim him because here's the deal when it comes to claiming off waivers. And this is why, remember when we were so mad that the Reds waved Wade Miley and he went to the Cubs. When you wave a player, the only thing that a team has to do whenever they pick up that player is just take that contract, whatever the contract is, that's what they get. There's no negotiating. This isn't a free agent deal. They don't have to talk to an agent to get him to to convince the player to come to this team. It's literally, I have a pick. I picked this player. He's now on my team. I have to give up nothing. I just have to pay his salary. And, and that is where Lucas Giolito Pat, like the, the Marlins just aren't going to pass on him. Like I, I'd say it's a 99% chance he's in Miami on Thursday. And so we've got to look at other guys on this list because as, as awesome as it would be to get Giolito, he's just not falling to the reds. Yeah. And, and there's a couple of reasons for that and, and all of the things you
1: just said, but also remember that right now the Marlins are immediately behind the reds for the wild card yeah. one game. So by getting Giolito, not only do they bolster their own rotation, but they also prevent the Reds from fixing one of their biggest weaknesses right now, and that's the team they're trying to catch, right? So uh, there's, there's a double whammy there to the Reds. It makes the Marlins better, but it keeps their rotation weak. So I, I agree with you. I think it's highly likely that we hear uh, about Giolito going down to Florida uh, come Thursday, which means we've got to look at who is the next guy in the group of players that we think the Reds should be targeting and I you and I quickly agreed on this uh what the Reds need more of is left-handed help in the bullpen and guess what Matt Moore left-handed help in the bullpen 40 appearances for uh on the season Jeff in 43 innings in those 40 appearances oh my god 47 strikeouts 12 walks
0: That's, that's music to my ears. And he is a dude, I mean, just overall in 43 innings, he's allowed just 30 hits. He's only allowed five homers. And for those of you, like we always say, be careful when you're talking about ERA with relief pitchers, but his is sexy. 43 innings, 2.3 ERA. All of this screams. Like if the Reds can't get Lucas Giolito, get Matt more, He will help out the bullpen tremendously. A, a group that needs lots of help. And, and you could possibly look at Hunter Renfro or Randall Gritchick, but the Reds get one pick here and then they get sent back to the end of the line. If they're going to make that pick before they get sent back to the end of the line, it better be, and, and Lucas Giolito isn't there, it better be Matt Moore. So let me ask you this. If one
1: of another one of these players were to fall, if they could get a second guy, uh, I think you and I have both agreed. We want the starter, then we want the lefty. If there's a third player to be had in this conversation, mm. is is any is anybody a needle mover at that point? Is there anybody on this list that you say helps this team compete for that wild card spot heading to the end
0: of September? I think then you do look at Hunter Renfro. I just think that Dominic Leone and Renato Lopez, as right-handed relief pitchers, they fall under the the Ian Jabot territory for me, where it's like they could be pretty good, but they also could be pretty Like Dominic Leone, his numbers outside of his ERA just aren't good, and his ERA is not that great either. Uh, Renato Lopez is kind of just okay. I mean, he's been much better with the Angels than he was with the White Sox, but Hunter Renfro gives you – the home run threat and an outfield bat that's something that the Reds just have had such trouble trying to figure out here recently to the point that we're excited when Nick Martini's in the lineup as opposed to Stuart Fairchild or somebody like that because those guys just have not been good this year and Hunter Renfro I think would bring some stability to an outfield group that has just been in flux ever since Jake Fraley went on the injured list and and um And with Spencer Steer having to move back into the infield because of the injury to Matt McClain, I think this would help alleviate that problem. I think
1: the timing is very interesting also because Thursday, the roster is going to expand by two and they're going to be able to add a pitcher and add a position player. So it'll actually be true addition. It doesn't necessarily have to be a subtraction component so they can add an extra arm. They can add an extra bat and it does help with the fatigue factor because they don't have to get rid of anybody else. Here's what I know. The reds do actually have a chance to be better on Thursday than they are today. And I'm looking forward to seeing how this waiver process plays out. All right, Jeff, we've wanted to give Hunter green the benefit of the doubt as he returned from his hip injury. Uh, but he's now two starts in to being back and he has been far from the stabilizing force for the rotation that it desperately needed. And coming up, we are going to take a look at the red starter and answer the question. Is it time to be worried about Hunter green? Remember, if you can't be at the ballpark, you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just download the app and search the word Reds. You can also follow this podcast on all platforms, including YouTube. Make sure you click subscribe. And the notification bell so you know every time we drop something new also check us out on our discord server that community over there is so much fun Uh, they're just as frustrated as jeff and i right now uh, with the way the team has performed but it's been very therapeutic to watch the games together and talk these things out in real time as they happen and we love talking baseball with them and we would love talking baseball with you so check it out today there's a link down in the description of today's episode All right, Jeff, uh, we've kind of avoided this conversation. I really wanted to give Hunter Green the benefit of the doubt. I really was hoping that that first start was just the rust. He needed to kind of be, you know, pitching to major league hitters to get there the rest of the way. But then he made that second start and it really wasn't a whole lot better than the first Uh, far cry from what we thought was going to be the the stabilizing effect of a rested ace entering the rotation. Uh, It's not been great. Uh, it makes me worried, and that's kind of the overarching theme here: is
0: Are we worried? I'm worried. The first factor for me when I'm talking about if I'm worried about a pitcher, I, I look at, and, and this is something that I've been taught by you know different folks who watch the game and different folks who've been a part of the game and things like that, is that you look at their velocity and you look at their spin. It's fine. It's not down. He's he's right back to where he should be. So that's a good thing. This isn't like something where he's come back from injury and yet something still isn't clicking. Physically, he's good to go. I think now you look at the fact that his location's been very bad to start. The first couple of innings of his last start, he was starting to get there. You, you saw like, okay, he's looking a little bit better, looking a little bit crisper, and then he walked five guys. And you're like, <laughs> Okay. He's he's not. He's not fine. Not fine. The thing with Hunter Green, though, is when you look at his baseball savant page and when you look at the analytics that are talking about him, he gives up a ton of hard contact, like too much. The average action velocity against him is 91, and league average is 88.7. So he is giving up a lot more hard contact than he should. And that's kind of the one thing that I jump at, and I'm like, (sighs) if you're getting hit hard like he has been and like his fastball has been and his changeup is as well, as he's thrown his changeup more, it's just been getting clobbered, then where do you go from here? What if it's this, though, Jeff?
1: I understand that his velo is okay. His spin rates are okay. His arm is fine. His arm was never the problem. What if his hips still hurt? I've really put myself in a position lately that I question any time that anybody involved with the red medical staff tells me a player is healed, that a player is better. What if he's not, what if this is still residual? I'm, I've become really distrusting of this. And I wonder if there have been some subtle changes to his mechanics based on what his hip has done for now mm. two, three months that could be leading to him not being able to locate because he's, his, his mechanics are just off.
0: That's a fair point. And I'd have to go back and, and thankfully we can do that now through MLB film room, but I'd have to go back and watch closely and see what's different. We'll have to see, especially today is, is he's making the start here in the final game in San Francisco. But as, as we're heading into this ball game, like if it is mechanical, that means it's going to take the off season to fix. It's not something he's going to fix between now and the end of the year. And when we were looking at this and, and, and this, by the way, this is kind of an offshoot of our discussion from the beginning of today's show in that people looked at the fact that Hunter green came back, not good. And the fact that Nick Lodolo isn't coming back at all and saying, well, that's why the reds needed to make a trade. But again, I think the reds factored this in and said, look, even if we don't get those guys back, getting one more starter isn't going to help this team. If those guys don't come back good. Like I, I think at the end of the day with Hunter Green, you can look at something, and it's a wonderful statistic called batting average on balls and play and say he's getting unlucky a little bit with this. Because even through before these last two starts, these last two starts are just crazy outlier bad starts, but for the entire year, he has a three forty eight Babip against him. League average is around two ninety nine. So that's like 50 points higher than what league average is. So you're thinking this is probably something that can come down as his location gets a little bit more crisp. But like you said, if this is mechanical, then luck doesn't have anything to do with it.
1: No, I think today's start, Jeff, is going to be the the real... Enlightener. It's going to really decide yeah. where we land on this because if he goes out today and gets smacked around again for the third time in a row, I'm going to have serious reservations about him continuing to pitch. I'm going to have serious reservations about him to continue to push through September because something is clearly wrong. Now, if he goes out and begins to locate a little bit better, then we just maybe push the panic button a little bit too soon. But you know, I'm going to go from concerned to seriously concerned if he gets smacked around in today's start against the Giants.
0: Well, you know what happens usually is when we poo-poo guys and when we he's talk gonna throw a about them, he's going <laughs> to yeah, he's going to come out and pitch amazingly. So that might be kind of the uh, uh, <clears throat> motivation behind this segment. But uh, no, 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 yeah, you know, I I tend to agree with you. If he comes out. And he gives up a billion homers or if he's walking everybody and he can't get out of the third or fourth inning, then I think we have to have a conversation about whether or not he should go back on the injured list and he and Nick should take a trip to the Caribbean for the rest of the year or something like Nick is not coming back if Hunter green has another bad start and then you really do start to question, is it mechanical or not? Then yes. I, I think then we have a totally different conversation as to whether or not it's beneficial for him personally to continue pitching. Yeah. Interesting statistic. I
1: don't know if you caught this on the broadcast of last night's game, but during the course of this road trip, the relief pitchers have thrown more innings than the starters. Ugh.
0: At this point in the season, too. Like, they were doing that in June when we were winning, and now they're doing that here in August when we're losing, and that is another point for Matt Moore. Let's get him over here. But I just – that's been the hardest part to swallow for me is that you look at this rotation and you say, we needed Hunter Green to come back crisp. He's not. We needed Andrew Abbott to give us a little bit more. Don't know that he's got it. We needed Brandon Williamson to take where he's going with his development and turn that into consistency. That's a lot to ask for a rookie. And then who else do you have in this rotation at that point? Graham Ashcraft. Yeah, but Graham Ashcraft can only pitch one out of every five days. So it's, it's really tough. Now, if, if Hunter green comes out and throws a dud here on Wednesday, it's really tough looking forward to be like, man, yeah, they might only be two games out or three games out or whatever, but if they've got no starting pitching for the rest of September, then we got a long conversation to have.
1: Yeah, and I don't like to end on a downbeat, so let's end on a positive note. If Hunter Green goes out and gets the job done today against the Giants, again, it's a 500-road trip. They come home to play the Cubs. They can, in one series, retake one of the wild card spots All is not lost, and we're going to keep you covered. We're going to keep covering this Reds team and bringing all of that information back here, Jeff, because we are going to just continue to take our passion and love this team no matter what.
0: Exactly. And before we get out of here, remember, you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search the word Reds. That's going to
1: do it for this edition of Locked on Reds. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen. Every day, every day is coming up on our next episode of Locked on Reds. We're going to let you know about that 500 road trip. Is it going to happen? Did it happen? We've got you covered. And in the meantime, Jeff, what can they expect from you and I?
0: They can expect us to be all over the rumors, seeing who the Reds claim on waivers from the lock, for the Los Angeles Angels. They can expect us to monitor all the injuries, all the different guys that hopefully should be coming back here soon from injury, and they can expect us to be locked on Reds every single day.
1: You sounded like you were going to claim a host from Locked on Angels. Should I be worried about my job? That cheer wine was really good. It really helped.